Hello and welcome back to Hayden's Entertainment Hour. Today, we're going to be talking about a Star Wars series that I don't know when it ended, to be honest. I just remember that it probably was around when I was getting ready for school. And I was like, on episode 11, 10, I don't remember when Cad Bane showed up or anything like that. Which, yes, that's a spoiler, I'm sorry. But I just remember that was like the last episode I watched. And then I kind of put off the show for a little bit. And then... Uh, just a few weeks ago, I actually watched the final four episodes and I was like, oh, okay, so I'm going to try and remember most of the show the best I can, but I've also got Wikipedia pulled up here in case I need some reference points or anything or Wikipedia or anything like that. But today I'm going to be talking about the Bad Batch with Mick. So say hello, Mick. Well, I, that, that's not my name. Oh, wait a minute. Yeah, I thought I was supposed to talk about the Bad Batch with Mick. Well, what are you doing here, Dalton? Well, you see, um, don't start with that as a Paul Brothers shit. We're under copyright (laughs) strike for that. Well, you see, uh, I was able to get rid of Vin Diesel. You know, I could could couldn't concentrate on my watch through of the Fast Nine movies with him always hovering over me. So I told him that Mick had not been watching the Fast Nine movies. So, you know, after he left, that's when I made my move. (laughs) Wow, so Mick is under the wrath of Vin Diesel right now. Who would have thunk? Well, I guess now that you're here, have you seen The Bad Batch? I don't I don't know if you like Star Wars or anything like that. I, I know it's kind of an acquired taste. Well, I know. As you as anyone from your podcast who has checked out my channel knows that uh, I hate Star Wars, and I've never made a video on it. I have most definitely not made a half-hour video essay on Palpatine. Or am currently working on a half-hour video on why Boba Fett is a compelling character, because you know yeah. I'm only in here to like you know talk about how much I hate Star Wars. Hey, we're both here to do that same thing. <laughs> Soon we'll have a podcast that'll be called "How Episode Nine Broke Me." Um, <laughs> but anyways, today we're talking about the Bad Batch. Like I said, this show ended a long time ago. I know I'm definitely behind the curve talking about it. I know the book of Boba Fett is coming down the road too. Um, but the Bad Batch. So. This series is animated in the vein of the Clone Wars TV series. In fact, it's kind of a spin-off a little bit, if you will. And the Bad Batch follows around a group of clones, this ragtag group that were in the Clone Wars, actually, in an episode. Uh, Their names are Hunter, Tech, Crosshair, and Wrecker, plus the cyborg clone Echo. And they are all basically going around and assisting the what was the Republic at the time, but then are supposed to be tasked with working for the Empire. But... Uh, All of them start to defect away from the Empire once they realize there's more sinister intentions going on, except for Hunter, and the series falls around the Bad Batch on their miscellaneous adventures with a clone known as uh, Omega. So, Dalton, uh, I kind of like the Bad Batch, I guess I'll say. What are your thoughts on the Bad Batch? So, yeah, to, like, preface this, like what Bacon said, uh, I watched watched through the series um, when it first came out, like I and when I was done with it I decided that I didn't want to just like shoot out a quick video on it like how I've done with these other Disney Plus shows I had like there's things I liked about the show and there's things I disliked but I didn't want to try to cram it into a 10 minute video or plan on making a 10 minute video but accidentally make a longer one like I did with my Mando season 2 review Mm -hmm. so yeah that video is going to be coming out after the boba fett one does maybe sooner if i can pull some strings we'll see about that but um i did i did enjoy the bad batch i did have a fun time with it 
Well, here we go, people. We got a Star Wars thing that we liked. Blow the confetti yeah. away. Let's go. But, um, but, uh, oh. asterisk. There, we're we are going to get into more detail about that because, like, like I said, there are some things I liked. There are some things I disliked. But overall, I did think it was all right. Well, yeah, I, I don't know. I'm tough on this. So, I'm somebody that watched the first season of The Mandalorian and was like. Yeah, this is, this is a good little show. I kind of like what they're setting up here. And then season two was references to other characters and stuff. And then there were some episodes I kind of watched where I was just checked out. And I'm, I'm one of the people that didn't really care for the second season of The Mandalorian as much, which I know might be controversial because some people say the second season gets better. But I'm somebody that was kind of like, eh, I don't know if this is much of an improvement. But um, when it came to the animated shows from Disney, I guess, and Cartoon Network that also produced these in Lucasfilm, um, I really liked The Clone Wars. I grew up watching it on Cartoon Network late at night, and that was one of my favorite shows. Um, I also grew up watching Rebels, and I do not really like Rebels at all. <laughs> there are some things in Rebels I think were cool, like nice concepts, and there were some good character moments and stuff, but overall, I don't really like Rebels as a show. And then when I heard they were going to finish the last season of The Clone Wars, I was like, damn, this is really good, and it was a really good last season, other than there's certain series of episodes that I really could have done without and I'm, I'm not going to say because I don't want to start that whole controversy up again but um, I was happy to hear that the Bad Batch that was in one of the uh, final season episodes was going to get a spinoff and so watching this show it was interesting because it took these characters that I was virtually like I think like on paper you can do a lot with them um, and they actually did a really good job kind of fleshing them out and giving them a proper show that made these characters likable because my fear was on paper this sounds like a good idea but an execution oh this is gonna be terrible so um i gotta say the first episode which is called aftermath uh basically opens up with the bad batch has been of course working around for the uh at the time the republic and they're just doing menial tasks and stuff like taking out the clankers and as the episode opens we notice that there's something a little bit more sinister and stuff because they're talking about how oh well uh obi-wan is uh hunting down general grievous currently and the uh war will be over after this and i was like uh oh so i know what's coming around the corner and a young kanan uh i forget his last name Kanan Jarrus. Okay, Kanan Jarrus is there with his Jedi Master, and the clones are teamed up with him and stuff, but at one point, a clone gets an order to kill Kanan Jarrus's master, and when this happens, Kanan runs away, and all of the Bad Batch members are confused and stuff, and I believe it's... Is it Crosshair? Uh, uh, Crosshair's the sniper guy. Oh, so uh, is it Hunter, right? Hunter, Hunter is the guy that looks like Rambo. Okay, then Hunter uh, tries to basically convince him, hey, everything's okay, I don't know what's going on, but he doesn't believe that, and he jumps across this ravine and gets away, and then the show kind of sets the president that, okay, things are going to be much different than what they were from the Clone Wars TV series, because basically what ends up happening is all of the different clones are coming back, and they're getting different orders and stuff, and Tarkin has showed up, and he's like, hmm, I don't know if we have much of a use for these things anymore. I feel like we'd be better drafting people unwillingly to serve the Empire. And uh, the Camino people are basically like, but bro, we've been producing these for years and they're like the perfect organism to mass produce. Like, why would you give up on them? And so the series deals a lot with the Bad Batch coming to terms that, hey, the Empire's not that great. But at the same time, we're also seeing how the Empire basically got its start and footing through this series, which I think was a really good utilization on Disney's part to use this vehicle as a way to show the early origins of the Empire because we don't really get a lot of those like I know a lot of people say Rebels is kind of the beginning but even at the same time Rebels is still set like what two years into the Empire's takeover whereas this is literally as the Empire's takeover is starting up yeah 
So, um, I guess I'm gonna just work backwards. So, like, yeah, I can appreciate, um, like, people liking the show off the premise that, you know, it explores a time period that we've rarely seen in Star Wars. Like, uh, back in the Legends days, there were a couple comic series that dealt with the time period directly after uh, Episode 3 ended when the Empire was phasing out the clones and all that good stuff. But, Mm -hmm. um, like, this is the first canon material to, like, actually explore that. I I think uh, a reviewer who had a good opinion on this was Shea Frillis, who said that this show was really good from a lore perspective, but uh, not necessarily from... Uh, overall opinion of the show itself but you know i kind of agree and like disagree but yeah um i have more thoughts on the first episode but i don't know if i want to jump into them just yet okay because of um uh if we end up talking about the fan service in this show but i think what i appreciate about the show is that i think the um, first episode does a good job setting the tone for the series. Though I do not like how predictable the pilot, the, the episode of the series was just based because of the trailers. Like, you could yeah. guess, you could, the trailers gave so much away. Like, I honestly read a lot deeper than into them than I did. And, you know, depending on how the second season goes, since the show's been renewed, um, there may be a good chance that I may be right, but I honestly thought that, like, you know, the Bad Batch were going to defect, you know, they're going to go join the Rebels because of something about Order 66, and maybe this clone girl from the trailers has something to do with that, like, maybe she's Force-sensitive. Yeah. And so, like, I wasn't completely right about that, and most of the stuff that I saw in the trailers was just gone after the first episode, but, Mm -hmm. um, I do appreciate that like most of that's most of the stuff that was predictable to me was just confined to the first episode and the show kind of like took me for a ride after that they do some cool stuff they do some stuff i like thought worked pretty well for the show they did some stuff i didn't think worked as well and uh before i let you continue just want to mention real quick that yeah um clone wars is great uh rebels you know i'm that that show is going to have its day in the sun on my channel because I, I agree with you that overall it's not that great but there's some good things with it and final season of clone wars i think it's pretty much just um kind of just public fact that the only really strong episodes in it are the siege of Man- the siege of mandalore episodes mm-hmm. uh, not to throw too much shade since you wanted to avoid controversy but um i think you know just to get back to what, just because I wanted to comment on what you were saying about like selling the Bad Batch on the premise of the show, I yeah. think, uh, yeah, if you go on Wikipedia and check out the page on the Clone Wars Legacy, which is pretty much like all the stuff that they were going to do with Clone Wars before it was originally canceled, it like shows you the stuff they brought back after that last season. Like you see that like they were planning to do a lot more with the Bad Batch. Mm-hmm. than just that one arc like there's stuff with it there's a lot more stuff i'm pretty sure uh like um if you go on youtube there's some animatics of them on kashik with Wookies. there might be more um i didn't read it before i didn't read all the way through before we um 
talked, but oh, that was a mistake on my part. But um, I think probably the thing that shot it, the show in the foot was like you're giving a show to these two to this group of characters that you know mainly in that episode of Clone Wars that they were introduced in, they were mainly kind of just cliches. But I mm-hmm. think. I think some of the characters, the show did a good job characterizing. Some of them, not so much, but I think we'll get into that um, later in the episode. But yeah, I think uh, the show kind of proved itself worthy of existing. Yeah, I I would agree with that too. Um, This first episode does a lot of great things, like I said, with it basically showing like how the Empire is now... Uh, turning it into more of a dictatorship and also the complete takeover that they're having of these planets and stuff and they're intro- uh, they're introducing like new currencies and now you have to have a whole new passport if you want to travel to places and so basically the empire has got people by the balls in this series and it kind of shows not only their power because I think the one thing that I've hated about rebels and you may or may not agree with this rebels made the empire look incompetent Every time they were on screen in that show, they were just the most incompetent force on the planet. And I get it's more of like a kitty-centered show and stuff, so it was a lot of like comedic, like, oh, look at Chopper, he throws his arms around and the Empire goons all fall down. And it's just like, no, this isn't what the Empire is supposed to be. There's supposed to be this fearful force. And even in the original trilogy, like, you saw the power of what the Empire can do once they corner people down and stuff. But some of these shows, like Rebels, just took the Empire and kind of made them incompetent fools. But I like that this show straight off, right off the bat, doesn't make them that. It actually shows, like, no, these guys are ruling the galaxy. And it makes sense how they were able to take it over. Because uh, one thing, for instance, when they come back and they're doing, like, their training drills and stuff... Uh, Tarkin's like, well, they've been basically been on a seesaw their entire life going up and down, doing the same thing over and over again. Let's turn it up a little bit. And they have a much harder test run. And then Tech is talking to them about how they have inhibitor chips inside of them and stuff. There's just a lot of different things that go on in this series that I think does a really good job showing how the Empire has a grasp on everything in the galaxy because it felt like for the longest time they were just incompetent bad guys. Yeah, um... To build off of what you're saying, I think the way that Star Wars media has portrayed the Empire uh, since the original trilogy came out is a great lesson on how public perception shapes pop culture. Because, mm-hmm. yeah, like how you were saying, if you go back to those original three movies, the Empire is intimidating. Like, I mean, sure, you can complain about them, like stuff like, oh, ha, ha, the stormtroopers can't uh, shoot anyone. But, like, yep. if you actually watch episode four, like, nobody is hitting anybody in that movie. Like, mm-hmm. only, like, only the main characters are really uh, able to hit multiple people at a time. Yeah. But, like, um, I think Rebels does play into that a little bit of just, you know, uh, it's for kids, so you can't make them too scary, but also, yes... Yeah, even though the Clone Wars was showing, like, decapitations and people getting stabbed yeah. through the chest. I was like, oh, well, this is a drastic change in quality, isn't it? Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think this first episode does a lot of good in it. Um, I also think it's cool that we get to see another young Saw Gerrera in this. Like, they're sent on a mission to track down these rebel insurgents and stuff. And it actually turns out that Sagarera is like, you don't realize what the new Empire is doing. They're taking away families, they're slaughtering innocents and stuff. Like, you guys are fighting on the wrong side of this. 
And so Hunter and all of the Bad Batch are just kind of like, eh, okay, I kind of understand what you're coming from. We're going to disobey this order. But uh, Crosshair is kind of like, dude, bro, we're supposed to kill all these people. Like, we're supposed to follow orders like good soldiers and stuff. And so when they come back, they're all arrested for treason, obviously. And Tarkin's like, well, we're just going to make sure that you guys are all working and these inhibitor chips and stuff are going well. But most of the Bad Batch group flees with Omega, which we'll talk about in a little bit here. But Crosshair decides to stay behind because he's like, no, the Empire's in the right here. You know what? We shouldn't have, uh, we should not have left that planet. We should have followed the orders and stuff. But they all get away at the end of this first episode, and it's a really good opening to not only show the strength of the Empire, but also how the Bad Batch were going to defect, which, like you said, from the marketing kind of made it very obvious. Um, but yeah, I feel like there's a lot of good things they do with the Empire. They set up a lot of good stages and stuff. They give us a good antagonist and Crosshair, who, from the original Bad Batch, you could have intrigued, or from the original Clone Wars episode with the Bad Batch, you could have intrigued was kind of more of a wild card wanted to do things on his own and stuff and do for the benefit of like the company that he worked for and all that so i think there's a lot of good this first episode does even with omega which we'll get into here in a second so yeah i guess we're talking about like the cat and the main principal cast at this point Mm -hmm. but yeah i guess to like mainly go off of your point about crosshair it's just you know uh while like, I'm still in the research process for doing that Bad Batch video. Yeah. And, like, uh, you could tell how slow it's going because, like, college has just thrown me for a loop. Like, I've not been able to work on stuff as much as I've wanted to. Boba Fett video is frozen in production. The Snyder video, as usual, uh, is sitting at 30 seconds of edited out of an hour and a half video. <laughs> yeah. Um, but, yeah, but... I think the really weird thing, like going back and rewatching those four episodes from Clone Wars and then watching the Bad Batch, is just like the big difference between Crosshair's character. Because, like, in the Clone Wars episodes, you know, he was smarmy and dickish, but like the only really like bad thing that he specifically did in um, the show was mm-hmm. he mocking Rex about Echo's death. But, yeah. like, Bad Batch, he, like, goes from, like, kind of being, like, sarcastic asshole, but, um, you know, he is a good person. He's, like, a, a dick with a heart of gold or something. But he goes to just being someone who's just, you know, down to clown with the Empire. Yeah. Which like you think you which like you assume is just because of the inhibitor chip affecting him because uh, his genetic mutations aren't as strong as the rest of the bad batches are, but then like you know they have the reveal in the finale where he was like oh uh, I'm my inhibitor chip to stop look working at the mid season finale so you know I'm kind of, I maybe I am a Nazi and so you're kind of just like it's it's weird because like. That wasn't his character in those Clone Wars episodes. He wasn't, like, a completely soulless dick, you know? He had mm-hmm. the kind of, like, Leg- Legolas and Gimli relationship with Wrecker. But, like, in Bad Batch, he kind of just seems annoyed by Wrecker's existence. Yeah. I think, honestly, the real the main problem I have with him outside of, like, characterization is, like, you know, even though he's supposed to... He should be the main antagonist, he doesn't he isn't really that active yeah like i'll agree with that like he only decides to go and hunt the bad batch like when the show when the first when the first season is almost over Mm -hmm. 
And, like, I think the other problem I have with him, too, is that, like, even though, like, the Bad Batch knows that the inhibitor chip was fucking with him, like, they never tried to rescue him. No. Even, <laughs> even though, even though, like, they rescue Omega, they rescue Hunter, just, like, it feels like a lot of, like, plot points like that are kind of just built off of this characterization they have for Crosshair. Mm-hmm. Though, like, I do like, I do like how they didn't try to, like, rush him uh, being redeemed at the end of this season. I feel like that's something that they could be building up to, which I think they would be able to do a much better job with than, say, like, Agent Callus from Rebels, who I I just get angry whenever I think about him. <laughs> he turns into the good guys. We're all supposed to like him. Um, off screen. Off screen, yeah. Um, I guess uh, the last thing I want to talk about, touch on a little bit in this uh, first episode is Omega, like I said. So Omega is, and there's spoilers, obviously, like you're listening to a podcast about a show that's been out three, maybe six months now. Um, but anyways, Omega is a alternative version of a clone DNA that was made female. And essentially, she's kind of really smart, which I kind of like in the series, because not that the clones themselves aren't smart, but like the Bad Bad Batch have each of their different quality traits that make them up of who they are and stuff. But she seems to not only be really smart, but at the same time, she kind of gives them the voice of reason within the group. And I guess Hunter starts to grow that voice of reason also as the series goes on, because these guys essentially have been programmed from birth to just fulfill missions and basically ask questions later and stuff. And so... What I like about Omega in the show is she, at first, I was like, oh no, is this going to be the Ezra Bridger of the show? Am I going to hate everything about this character? (laughs) But as it goes along, she's like the really sweet voice of reason and stuff, and she's kind of the glue that holds the group together in a way, and there's just a lot of things to like about this character as she grows and stuff, because not only is she learning about literally the galaxy itself, because she's been confined to Kamino, but at the same time, she's learning to grow with these characters and give them each a little piece of personality and character within themselves that grows. Yeah. I want to build off what you said. Is I really liked Omega in the show. Mm-hmm. Uh, the main character trait that... The main thing that I took away from her her in this like first season is that she's innocent and naive about the greater galaxy but she has but she's really nice like how you said and Mm -hmm. intelligent so like i think you know probably some podcasters who have like been following my uh activity on the podcast might get angry that like you know i have i'm okay with this when i wasn't okay with it in the original wonder woman yeah i think i think the main difference is that i think in the context of the Bad Batch, that character trait of Omega being Omega's naivety not really being challenged is kind of more about like the Bad Batch growing from you know this like big, uh, really highly tactically uh, tactical <laughs> how how they go from kind of being like a highly trained effective military unit to being kind of like a found family. And mm-hmm. Omega, Omega is the heart of the show, from that respect. Yeah, I, I liked that, and I liked how, like, you know, she was able to see the good in people that other people in the squad had written off, like with, um, what's her face, the um, crap, <laughs> the like Trandoshian, a uh, Sid, Sid, like with Sid and that one. Uh, that one criminal guy from 
the episode where they take over Sid's bar and with crosshair. Like she's the only one that still sees the good in him. Yeah. Which is kind of like I like I like her arc in the show. It's it's like her like becoming more knowledgeable about the galaxy, which is kind of what they were doing with Ezra, but like in this show, Less I like annoying. how I like how it's more about how yeah, like about the galaxy is big and dangerous and complicated, but that doesn't mean I have to stop being a good person and treating other people fairly and giving them a second chance. Mm-hmm. I like that. Yeah, it's good. Um, do you have anything else you want to touch about on episode one before I go to two? Uh, I do, but I think I'll save that for if we talk about the fa- if we give the fan service its own sh- section. Okay. Um, so the second episode is called Cut and Run, and like we said, the Bad Batch is outrunning the Empire and Crosshair now, and so they're seeking uh, refuge on the same planet of the clone deserter that was in the Clone Wars, uh, Cut Lockane, I think is his name. And so basically, he's the guy that tells them like, yeah, there's uh, inhibitor chips and stuff, and that's probably what made your friend Crosshair uh, loyal to Order 66 and stuff. And so on this planet, he's basically like, well, I'm going to help you guys get off of it and stuff, but there's increased military presence, and we just got to make sure that you follow my plan and stuff like that so we see in this episode now how planets are affected by the empire and stuff because we see the total military takeover and stuff they're checking backgrounds they're like you can go get empire credits now you can change in your old uh republic currency and stuff there's now chain codes that everybody needs to be transported from one place to another and stuff and everybody knows that they need to find a way to not only escape under the empire's grasp because they're looking around for the bad batch but at the same time in this episode omega starts to build some of that family dynamic and stuff because Hunter at first is kind of like well she'd be better off living here and stuff because this planet has uh, children that are her age and stuff and it seems like Cut is a much better family man than what meets the eye and stuff and so Hunter thinks at first in this episode it would just be better for Omega to stay here but we quickly learn that Omega's like well no you guys are kind of my family because we're kind of coded from the same DNA and I like you guys and I don't know I've never really had a father figure in my life and stuff and Omega at the end of the episode decides, you know what, I'm going to go with them. And Hunter and them are just kind of like, yeah, you know what, I guess we'll keep Omega with us. She's kind of the glue that's keeping us all sane right now and stuff. So this episode does a lot of good, not only because it kind of gives a little bit of fan service, but I wouldn't say that this was a huge amount of fan service that the one defector clone that became a farmer appears again. It felt like at some point we were going to see this character again because he didn't die. But at the same time, it also starts that Kickstarter for the Omega and Hunter growth in this show. Yeah, um, I did like that. I did like that how essentially, like, to kind of touch back on this, like, on the subject of like switching character types, it felt like in those four Clone Wars episodes, like, Hunter, not Hunter was the edgelord of the group. Yeah. He was always off in a corner, just like, I am brooding because I'm Wolverine and I can smell things on the other side of the planet. Yeah. But like in this show, this is main like his main arc through this first season is becoming more humanized because of his interactions with Omega and all that. And so I like how like this episode is pretty much the catalyst for that thing where like uh, he becomes like a parent and is and his main arc of the show is just like learning how to talk with kids <laughs> like mm-hmm. comparing like comparing like how he acts in this episode or even like later on in the series and to like the first hit the first episode yeah 
but he like has no idea how to talk to uh, Kanan. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, to talk about cut real quick. Like, I don't know if we'll get more into this later, but like, it, something I did not like about this show is like, like the clones, like the clones that aren't the Bad Batch. Like, it seems like all the ones that, like, you know, that weren't Rex, who like had them specifically removed. You know, the inhibitor chip only like worked when it was convenient for the plot, or they were characters that weren't important. Yeah. So you know that like Cut and Gregor and Hauser, you know, they actually have character, and all the other clones are just like, oh, I guess we're all bad now. Mm-hmm. Don't worry about us. <laughs> and it's just like that was like annoying to see. Yeah, I I would agree with that too. Um. This is a neat little episode, I'll say. It's not one that there's a ton to talk about, um, mainly because it's just fine about building that dynamic a little bit, like I said. But for the most part, I think I kind of like this episode because, first off, there's not really a lot of fan service unless you're like, oh, cut lock. Oh, man, the biggest piece of fan service in Star Wars showed up because I totally forgot this character existed until he showed up in the show again. But it's kind of cool to see that. I like that it builds a dynamic a little bit, shows us how the Empire has a grip on some of these planets, what chain codes are. Just basically kind of kind of everything that I wanted from this series a little bit is in the second episode, and mm-hmm. it's nice. Uh, I guess episode three... <laughs> Episode 3 is a weird one for me. So in this one, they get part of their ship damaged, and they land on this little moon planet, right? And Hunter's incapacitated and stuff, and there's this moon dragon that steals a part that they need to repair it. And so Hunter basically is like, Omega, please go out and retrieve this. And Omega basically does it like in kind of a cool way, I would say, because... She goes down to track the dragon, but she doesn't use, like, brute force or anything, like what, obviously, the Bad Batch would do. She's just kind and compassionate, like normal, and this thing just, the part is given up to her and stuff. And I think it's a really cool part of the episode to show, like, Omega's kindness has a lot, like, in the galaxy that the galaxy needs right now is that kind little touch that's like, hey, everything's gonna be okay and stuff, because ultimately this dragon doesn't kill her, it kind of respects her a little bit, and they get this part to fix the ship. But I want to talk about part of the episode that I really like, which is with crosshair and this conscripted group of soldiers he's with because my goodness it's such a good part of the show so they go back to that same camp crosshair and them that had saw Guerrero's soldiers and stuff and they land there and one of these soldiers is kind of antsy a little bit he doesn't really trust what crosshair is saying and stuff and crosshair just straight up shoots the dude in the dome like he does not care and he is not messing around and stuff because this kind of sets the precedent of the series going forward that crosshair really does not care anymore like we think that the inhibitor chip is obviously still in him and all that and that's why he's acting the way he is but at the same time like seeing this character just full-on not caring about people wanting to like back against him or talk back and stuff like he'll kill them without remorse just kind of shows like how terribly like terrifying this character is going to be as it goes along because from this third episode i was like damn crosshair is going to be a much better antagonist than any of the antagonists that were in rebels (laughs) um i guess working backwards again I think, yeah, I think the crosshair stuff in this episode was good. I think they did a good job of demonstrating, like, not just, like, how terrifying the inhibitor chip it is itself is, but also how, like, you know, turning that up even higher to the what it was before has, like, turned, uh, has pretty much just lobotomized crosshair, so now he just mindlessly follows orders directly. Mm-hmm. He's pretty much a droid. Although... There's this great scene at like the at very end of the episode where like uh, the, like 
Bat Crosshair and his squad are like in the old Bad Batch quarters, and he just sits there quietly on his bed, like he's contemplating about what he's done. And you're just like, oh, I wonder where this is gonna go. Like, how much does the chip actually affect him? Does he like feel remorse at all? And like, that's the big problem I have with like Crosshair not being in the first season as much, because like you will get these these little scenes like that for him throughout the series throughout this season but like then immediately like the show will kind of move on from that which like mm-hmm. i i really hope that they moved away from uh i hope they learned from callus because they did a lot of this type of stuff with him too like sprinkled these tiny moments throughout the first two seasons before they're like oh i guess callus is good now yeah the third one yeah but like, but like i like I think the pieces are there that they could like make a redemption arc for Crosshair to work. Like they don't have to do it. Yeah. But it would be cool to see. I also and then with Omega, I do like I like how what you said that she has a she uses a pacifist solution to uh get the part back from the moon dragon. I thought mm-hmm. that was neat. Like, you know, building into more of her like, you know, Omega like Omega isn't that naive. Like her like way of perceiving the galaxy does have merit. And, yeah. You know, they, the Bad Batch doesn't need to blow stuff up in order to get things done all the time. Yeah, that's true. A uh, good little episode. Uh, kind of a weird one for me, I'll say, because I I really only started to enjoy it once Crosshair showed up and we got this really cool dynamic with his character, but. Fine episode, I'll say. Fine episode. I don't have a ton of problems with it. Now, episode four is cornered, and this one is, once again, another pit stop. They're on Pantora, and they just need supplies for their ship, basically. But they get a tip-off, or they tip off the Empire, like, hey, guess who's here? Uh, The Bad Batch. You should come and get them and stuff. And Fennec Shand, who, as a lot of people know, Fennec Shand is also in The Mandalorian, which a lot of people have pointed out here, like, oh, cool, that a fan service character has showed up and stuff. But I was just kind of like, well... I guess it makes sense, but it also feels a little bit like fan service at the same time. You never know. It's tough with Star Wars. Are you like, was this genuinely like needed for the story, or did they just throw this recognizable name in here because, oh, I remember that. So Fennec Shan is basically looking to capture Omega and bring them back because on Kamino, uh, Omega's, I guess you would say like teacher or something like that. I don't know how to best describe her or anything like that. It's like uh, other figure mother figure basically is like well could you bring her back please because we have much to teach her and stuff and then fennec shand basically goes out like hey i'm gonna take you back and stuff and hunter and her kind of duel it out in the episode and stuff but ultimately they get away from shand and the episode ends with them just obviously taking off and the bad batch is departing again on another adventure but i think this episode's kind of nice um i i don't know if there's a ton to say about it like i said with the last episode other than like what are your thoughts on Fennec Shan showing up in this series? So I think we'll probably get more into this when discussing fan service later on. Mm-hmm. But like, I think the fan service that I tended to like in these episodes were like the ones where it was where they weren't like, oh wow, look at this character from Clone Wars, Cad Bane is here now, or oh look, uh, this up uh, this uh, Bib Fortuna and Jabba's Rancor are back. Um, yeah. I, what I appreciate is they take like these newer characters, like uh, who d- don't have canon material about them that much, like 
Fennec Shand or the Martez sisters and they're like, here, you know, you, you get to show up for a little bit now. Like, that I prefer. Mm-hmm. And I think, like, you know, they built off of, like, the character that she and Boba kind of had in uh, Book of Boba Fett where, you know, they're, they have, like, a co- they have morals, mm-hmm. but, you know, it isn't necessary. They have morals. Like, they're bounty hunters with morals, which is a nice thing to see in Star Wars because, like, most bounty hunters are the exact same uh, copy and paste format over and over again. Yeah, I will agree with that, especially. Um, yeah, fine episode. Not a not a ton to say about it, I guess I'll say. There's, I guess, more nice building moments between uh, Hunter and Omega and stuff, and she learns to obviously trust them more than some stranger that's like, I'm going to kidnap you and make sure you're safe and stuff. But um, good episode for the most part, just kind of fine, I guess I'll say. Episode 5 is Rampage, and this one... Uh, I <laughs> Okay, so... They need to find this informant named Sid. And Sid turns out, I believe, to be this bar owner. And she's kind of like, well, uh, I can help you guys out. But a job of the hut is looking for the rescue of a child. And you guys need to go and find this child and rescue it from slavers and stuff. And they're like, okay, we'll do it in turn for like information and supplies and stuff. So they go and rescue this thing called Muchi or Muchi, whatever its name was, which is a young Rancor. And all I said in the back of my mind was, wow, set up for job as Rancor later. I know what that is. And then guess what? It's given to Java's right-hand man, Bib Fortuna. And I clapped. I clapped as hard as I could at the top of my lungs, <laughs> screaming, that's Bib Fortuna. I, I don't like this episode because it, while it's a nice mini story, it just felt like fan service for the sake of fan service. And also, we also figure out that, like, Hunter is able to figure out, like, is not unable to figure, or, like, unable to figure out who hired Shand, which kind of frustrates him a little bit. But... Sid is like, I'll give you more mercenary work in the future. You guys didn't biff this one up, but I don't really like this one because like we like we're gonna probably get into later and stuff with fan service. It just felt like fan service. Yeah, like uh I didn't wasn't bothered too but too much by like, you know, uh Moochie or Bib Fortuna, the sexiest Star Wars character, <laughs> um, showing up. But um I prefer I... Fat Bib Fortuna. <laughs> the one that shows up at the post credit scene of The Mandalorian Season 2. Yeah. I'm like, that's the absolute shad right there. Yeah. Um, like, I think... I do... I like uh, Sid in this episode. I think we're pro- I'll have more to say about her in the next episode. Mm-hmm. But I think she's a fun character. I like yeah, it. she is. I like the new characters that, like the show introduces or like the new the newer ones from like clone wars or mandalorian that we get to see more of like uh, uh, we you haven't mentioned him yet but like admiral rampart is fun like you know the first we see him in the second episode and you think he's this like bland poster boy for the empire and that's all he'll be like he'll just show up in that hologram but like no he's a reoccurring character and you slowly see more and more of that darker side to him as the, sh- the season progresses it's like yeah. where he's just blowing up a city with like no remorse at all yeah yeah 
Um, uh, yeah, I don't have much to say about this episode. No. Um, episode six is decommissioned. Uh, Sid once again is like, hey, go find the Separatist tactical droid and bring back its battle intel. And that's all they have to do. They go to this old Corellian decommissioning site, which I will admit it's cool to like see all of the decommissioned droids. Like after the Empire obviously had no more need for them, these factories were shut down and stuff. And they just like decrepit and stuff and they look worn down. It's like, wow, like the clankers are no longer the clankers that we used to know them and stuff. But uh, they encounter some police droids that are guarding the facility, as well as da, 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 Trace and Rafa Martez, who I'm not going to say anything more about other than if you want to guess what my least favorite storyline was in the original last season of The Clone Wars, you might be right. Um, but anyways, initially what happens is Wrecker hits his head in this episode and the inhibitor chip activates a little bit. And Tegan the sisters are trying to program a tactical droid to turn on the police droids and it allows them to escape and the tactical droid is destroyed in the process and stuff. And they explain they were retrieving it for a client who was fighting the Empire and Hunter gives them a copy of the droid's data that Tech manages uh, to get during the fight. And the sisters later tell how their client or tell their client how to find the bad batch uh, or find the bad batch client that they're working for and stuff. And so this episode is, I guess, okay for the most part. I didn't really hate it or anything like that. It just kind of felt like not necessarily like a filler episode, but it felt like one that was fillering to get to a big reveal in the next episode. Oh, uh, I think I, at this point, I'm going to have to request like a section just to talk about the concept of filler. Because like, okay. I know that is one thing when discussing this show when it first came out that annoyed me. Okay. Because... Um, yeah, I'll say that for later, but like I, I like the Martez sisters of this episode. I think the main problem for me with their arc and like to be honest, the Bad Batch uh episodes as well from the final season of Clone Wars is that, you know, if we had like a standard length Clone Wars season, like, you mm -hmm. know, those episodes would not really stick out as much as they do. But essentially, you're having, like, normal, everyday Clone Wars adventures for eight episodes, and then uh, one of the best arcs in the entire show, right, yeah. next to, right next to each other in a much shorter season mm -hmm. than we get normally. Yeah. And especially since, like, you know, Filoni has been transparent that, you know, those first eight episodes are more about reintroducing us to Rex and Ahsoka than they are about at being fun Clone Wars stories. Yeah. So, like, I like that the Martez sisters pretty much, like, get an episode where that isn't in service of a greater narrative like that. But mm -hmm. I will say the thing that, like, fills me with dread is when the one sister at the end of the episode is like, oh, we all choose sides eventually. Uh, and that's when I was just like, uh, they're, they're going to join the rebellion at some point, aren't they? Like... That's where every character that we follow in the OT time period ends up eventually, because, you know... Gotta become a good guy. <laughs> yep. No no morally gray characters in Star Wars. We keep Never that, again. We keep that in the expanded universe. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Uh, but decommissioned. Final episode. Now, Seven is Battle Scars. And so said, uh, Sid's like, hey, uh, you want to help me pay off a debt and stuff, but... Uh, they're interrupted by Trace and Rafa's mystery client, who turns out to be, guess who? Captain Rex, who is alarmed because he's like, wait, you guys haven't removed your inhibitor chips? Yeah, we're going to fix this right now. So uh, they go to Bracca, and there's a starship graveyard planet, which was a really cool visual and a really co uh, cool place to set the episode in and stuff. 
and it's controlled by a scrapper guild and they sneak onto this old Jedi cruiser and use its medical bay and uh, Wrecker's agitation activates his chip again and he attacks his teammates and stuff but he's subdued and the chip is removed and then Rex uh, takes his leave once all the extractions are completed and the chips are taken out as they say goodbye um, but Hunter is seen by the members of the Scrapper Guild and stuff and Hunter and them or Hunter was just basically scouting out and looking around and stuff in this episode because he sort of knows that hey Crosshair is uh, he's, he's around and he's probably going to be coming for us and stuff but this episode's kind of fine um now, do you like Rex in this episode, I should say? Because, um, obviously, we don't know a whole lot about Rex in this timeline after the last season of the Clone Wars and until he shows up in Rebels. So, this was a neat little pop-up episode to re- see Rex in, that he's kind of going around doing small little tasks and stuff and trying to get data and all that. Because uh, it is kind of nice to know, like, hey, Rex is still out there. Like, he's not with Ahsoka or any means like that, but he's just doing these little missions to benefit himself. Yeah, um... I like the idea that the show presents that, like, I kind of hope that if we see more of Rex in this time period, it's mainly, like, him going around trying to free other clones from the inhibitor chips, like how he does in this episode. Like, other other appearances he has in the show, like, imply that he's doing, like, Rebel stuff, like, very early before we even have, like, that stuff in Rebels where we have all the different cells. Yeah. But, like, um... I like I thought he was good in this episode um I think the main thing like there are a couple things that really stood out to me like I've I think this show set up did a great job setting up why the Bad Batch ends up sticking around with Sid because Sid's like yeah I've you know I could very easily tell the Empire who you are but also you owe me all this money so you know if you give me uh my money I'm not going to um, tell the Empire. And then, like, a big chunk of that money is just from, like, Omega and Wrecker buying food after every mission. Yeah, pretty much. That was, like, like, a really creative way to, like, set up uh, them being tied to this character. Yeah. And um, they kind of... They get rid of it way too too easily. And... um, the other thing that stood out to me in this episode was uh, the scene where Wrecker uh, temporarily goes under the influence of the inhibitor chip, which they mm-hmm. did a good job built. Which they did a good job building up to. Like the only reason why it really activates is because he gets like a head injury in one of the episodes, mm-hmm. and that so like he slowly starts to succumb to the effects until like there's a full scene where like you know this lovable like childish character who's like who's probably my favorite character in the show besides Omega. Mm-hmm. Just because, like, you know, he's this big, strong guy, but instead of being like, oh, I'm I'm big, oh, I'm big, and I'm strong, but I've got a heart of gold. He's just like, I'm big, and I'm strong, and I am uh, a kid on the inside. <laughs> yeah. Just a, a big, strong baby child. And then it was cool to see, like, you know, all that characterization stripped away and like he just becomes a mindless drone and really i think that on combined with crosshair like it really utilizes like how like how just fucking awful the inhibitor chips are i know i know some star wars fans have their problems with that like you know like taking the agency away from the clones uh so like they don't have the choice about whether or not they want to carry out order 66 but I would say that's why it's it's so effective 
when we see these types of scenes in like Clone Wars and Bad Batch because like they don't have a choice and then like you know you can get good mileage out of that premise but like seeing how it affects clones like being used like that yeah that's yeah i'd agree with that um so episode eight oh boy i love this one um this one is a really it's called reunion it's a really good action episode i will say because essentially crosshair has found them he's coming to kill them obviously because that's his orders and so um they're concerned that omega is not going to be returned safely or anything like that and uh lama su hires a second bounty hunter who is supposed to retrieve her but crosshair cuts the bad batch off from their ship so they attempt to uh, escape through the cruiser's ion engine and there's a really cool moment in this episode where they set up a series of little explosives that go around it and stuff and crosshair's like i got you pinned there's no way to get out of here i'm gonna snipe you the minute that you walk out of this and stuff and um the engine's already turned on and stuff but when the explosives are uh, salvaged from the cruiser's refinery and placed around and stuff it's exploded and the engine goes off and i like how crosshair is like burned by it he's injured so badly in it in a way it was a cool visual and a really cool way and stuff but highlight of this episode for me was the big reveal that a certain bounty hunter is back who oh boy was he my favorite part of the original clone wars series so good old cab bane shows up and it turns out he is that second bounty hunter that's been hired and there's this really cool moment music plays into it and stuff toto's with him again which if you don't remember who toto is he was the seth green robot that got absolutely blown oh. the fuck up in the original and i seth, was like seth green voiced him yeah um yeah i don't think a lot of people know that seth, green, <laughs> seth green voices toto it's a really cool thing um but anyways so i like how uh, he's back too, but in this really cool moment, it's a Western-style duel-off, but it ends up being that Cad Bane, which was the first time I was like, oh wow, a bad guy got away with something, shoots Hunter in the chest and kidnaps Omega, and he gets on the ship and gets away, and now Omega has been captured by the one, the only, the menacing Cad Bane. And, oh boy, this is a cool episode, not only for, like I said, the action, but I also like the stuff they do with Crosshair, but I also just think it's a really solid episode overall because it builds a lot of the best tension in the series in this episode. Yeah, um... I think uh, this episode, it mainly stood out to me from, like, you know, the confrontation with Crosshair, one of the few times when they actually interact with him throughout this first season, which mm, which I've already said that I had a problem with, but I like it. I think the action is good in this episode. I think that, you know, the Western standoff in the end is... Um, was probably the highlight of the episode for me yeah. like cad bane you know i was like originally like annoyed that he showed up because like oh my god look it's cad bane i stood up and clapped when uh <laughs> cad bane showed up i did the seth green laugh when toto appeared again yeah um but yeah i think it's just fine i mean like in retrospect it's kind of stupid that i got annoyed that uh Cad Bane showed up when, you know, Rex was in the previous episode. Yeah. But, like, um, and then, like, the thing that really threw me for a loop in this episode, because I remember when I originally saw this, like, you know, uh, Crosshair gets damaged from the jet fuel or whatever. And, like, so you assume, and so, like, that you're like, oh crap. Like, you know, and later on you see how, like, horrifically scarred he is by that. And you're like, oh crap. He's like, his inhibitor chip is destroyed. 
um how is this going to affect him later on in the series and then it's just like no it it didn't no and then you're just like oh okay yeah it's I, I guess it kind of shows how evil he just is without the inhibitor chip like just how much he's willing to serve yeah. the empire and do whatever i'm like wow okay yeah. that's interesting yeah. because you figure you'd be freed yeah and like that's what that's what i said like you know that crosshair only really works in this show if you like completely disregard how he acted in like those clone wars episodes where you know he was kind of like you know oh i'm a dick and you know the friendly friendly rival to wrecker but you know now i'm just a closeted nazi in this show i guess yeah that's one way of looking at it for sure but yeah uh i do uh i was i i don't think i, I i'm trying to remember if i had any other initial thoughts to this episode i mean other like, than cool action yeah i um i liked i don't think i was expecting uh omega to get like carried off like i guess i'll probably talk about like the stuff with the bounty hunters and the kaminoans like in the next episode because that affects it more yeah but but yeah i i think i'm ready to move on to that episode yeah so we'll now move on to episode nine we got kind of cut off episodes one through eight i guess it's kind of nice if you just want to hear her thoughts on a certain series of episodes but um anyways we're on to episode nine which is called bounty lost so bounty lost is kind of the aftermath of everything that happened in reunion basically cad bane is like all right i'm gonna take you back for a specified amount of credits that i was promised and stuff and as they're on their way back uh toto played by seth green is kind of like well i cannot help you because it's in my programming to not trust a prisoner and stuff but Toto is incompetent, obviously, and Omega is able to get away from her cage and stuff like that and escape. And Cad Bane is looking around for her, and they land on this planet in which he decides to track uh, down her because she's running away from him and stuff. But at the same time, guess who? Uh, Fennec Shand is also there hunting her down at the same time to trying to bring her back to her mother figure. So this episode is really good because not only are the Bad Batch looking for her, but at the same time we get a showdown between Fennec Shand and uh, Cad Bane, which Cad Bane, I guess, would technically be a little bit older and stuff because what he's been around since, I don't know, episode two canon, it feels like he's been around for a long time. And then Fennec Shand might be a little bit older too but she's still a lot younger and has a lot more strength and energy to her and stuff but it's a really good showdown in which fennec shan ultimately gets the upper hand disables his ship and the bad batch is able to get away with omega in the end but it's a really good episode because not only does it explore another dynamic of like omega seeing these early cloning facilities but at the same time we also get to see cad bane back in action we get to see who's better fennec shan or cad bane which i'm sure drove the fan base nuts and at the same time, I think it's a nice little episode that doesn't feature a ton of the Bad Batch, but it features two characters that a lot of Star Wars fans love because it's just a really good action episode overall, too. Yeah. Um, I think uh, this was an episode that did a lot of interesting things. Um, mm -hmm. Like, you know, we got to see, like, cloning facilities that the Kaminoans had that were, like abandoned and weird like you get the impression that you know they have these facilities all over the place and just like these weird locations like you know flying in the sky like cloud city or like on that water planet um 
And, you know, I like how this is kind of the culmination of, like, the B plot with the Kaminoans, because, like, they've been trying to, like, recapture Omega after she and the Bad Batch escaped. And, like, you're not sure why, but it's why Fanic Shan got sent after her. It's why Cad Bane got sent after her. And you find out, like, I think it's in this episode, if I'm remembering correctly, that uh, Omega is a completely unaltered and pure source of Django Fett DNA. So pretty mm-hmm. much, so pretty much, like, the thing the Kaminoans are worried about is that, you know, the original tissue sh- sample from Django Fett is degrading. Uh, the other, Django's dead. Uh, Boba, yep. who's the only other, like, source of, like, DNA is like missing completely and they don't know where he is and you know of course now the show <laughs> the show enters the dynamic dynamic of boba having a sister that he is most likely never going to meet because star wars needs to do everything in his power to make boba fett sad always yep um but so like the Kaminoans are trying to get her back because they think you know if we have this you know this fresh source of energy you know maybe the empire won't screw us over completely but you know they fail to get her back and you know that culminates with like them being shut down and like the prime minister but probably gets like executed off screen they get nala say omega's weird mother figure and you know it was it was interesting like that plot was interesting kind of seeing how um you know like you kind of feel like you know maybe nala say is acting maternally about Omega and then you remember oh yeah she was like the main one trying to get fives killed in that arc that she and him were in in season six and also that you know she views Omega as mainly an asset to keep out of the prime minister's hands while the prime minister you know only values her when she's in their custody and yeah you also get like fun stuff with Hunter and and the Bad Batch trying to drag her down, even though Omega's mainly the focus of the episode. You know, Seth Green gets his ass kicked a lot in this episode. <laughs> even more than last time. Yeah, I'll agree with that. Um, anyways, where was I? Uh, but this is a really good episode, just in particular, for some of the reasons that you said also. But um, pretty solid all around. It's back with the Bad Batch, because it would have been weird. They spent like five episodes like, we gotta find Cad Bane, where in the hell is he going and stuff, which a lot of people have speculated because this is the last time that we see Cad Bane in the series, um, if he's gonna be around in the Book of Boba Fett, which I'm kind of thinking yes and no, but at the same time with these, the second season coming out, maybe there's a chance we'll see Cad Bane again. You never know. It's tough with these series, but do you, do you think we're gonna see Cad Bane pop up again in the Book of Boba Fett? maybe like you know one of the things from clone wars legacy that we have yet to see adapted or if it'll get adapted is you know an arc where boba and cad bane do stuff and they have a western duel off where like boba shoots him and then cad gives him the ding that's in his helmet so like i don't know maybe we'll get to see that someday like the anime you can find animatics of it on youtube so, yeah, I've seen um, the animatic of it. Yeah, that's that's a good scene. Uh, but I don't know. It would be cool to see like more Cad Bane stuff. He's mainly done like after Clone Wars was finished. He's mainly done cameo stuff in Star Wars comics. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
Um, there's another episode that comes up after this, which is called Common Ground. Uh, and it's on Raxus, and basically... Ooh, <laughs> we've reached my least favorite episode of the show. Okay, so um, it was a seat where the Separatist government during the Clone Wars were, and the Empire institutes a new curfew law, which uh, it's with the local support of Senator Avi Singh. Um, <laughs> and while addressing the public, Singh speaks out against the Empire uh, instead and is arrested. And the protocol droid GS8... Uh, hire Sid to help rescue uh, Singh, and she sends the Bad Batch, who are reluctant to help after fighting the Separatists in the Clone Wars. Omega is left behind due to multiple bounty hunters that are targeting her, so obviously they want her to stay behind in safety. And she wins Sin enough money playing Jajaric, which I don't know if I know much about this game in the Star Wars world, uh, to pay off the Bad Batch's debt. With this help of GS8, the Bad Batch is able to rescue Sin and take him to Sid for payment. So, uh, I don't like this episode a lot in particular, too, but I'll let you go off because it's your uh, least favorite. Okay, so, you know, start off, you know, I think that you could tell this is, like, the main reason why I'm like, on whether or not the Bad Batch was good overall. Because, mm-hmm. you know, when I walk from an episode, walk away from an episode, and my main thought is, dang, Rebels handled this plot point better. You're just, that's when you're like, oh, boy. Uh, oh boy because like you know you know the plot of the episode is the bad batch having to work with separatists you know uh they're they're working against the common enemy which you know rebels did do and like that's some of the stuff that i think uh rebels did well like Mm -hmm. the episodes that focused on rex like pretty much having to confront his past i think those episodes are handled really well rex has to actively grow as a person in them but like um this episode really shows you how gutted echo is in this series because you know he's he's being forced to work with uh separatists like they blew they mutilated him they tortured and experimented on him they forced him to like work with them so that he got millions of clones killed um yeah they turn him into a cyborg and then like you know he like they don't do anything interesting with him in the show like there are only like small moments in the show where like he has character like uh in the first episode when he's like in the hospital after getting knocked after getting knocked out in a um food fight uh um, he freaks out because you know he's in a medical bay and dealing with medical droids. Like you know, he uh, he gets, uh, for lack of a better word, he gets you know emotion. It triggers like you know PTSD that he has from like all that stuff he experienced from being experimented on. Mm-hmm. You know that was a good scene. You know later on when you know they're wondering whether or not they should rescue Gregor um from that facility that he's trapped in he's like you know you guys he's like you know you guys didn't leave me behind uh so i don't think we should leave gregor behind either but like in in this episode he's just a nothing burger when he's like i don't think we should work with the separatists and then hunter's like this is no time to get political echo you're kind of just like dude what what's wrong with you yeah like, this isn't just like you know a <laughs> politics thing um 
this is like you know you're forcing this guy to work with his captors pretty much and like the episode kind of just like ignores that and then at the very end uh echo is just like uh well maybe we're not so different after all and then the senator's like yeah and they both laugh and you're kind of just like um and i think another thing too personally like that made this episode work less for me is that um in a in kind of in a like hilarious way is Mm -hmm. that you know we're on raxus prime the capital of the confederacy of independent systems and in the background we see no aliens that are actually aligned with the confederacy you just see a generic mishmash of background characters what's even more hilarious is that a lot of those are like cis groups that like aligned with the republic like they're pantorans and mandalorians and like a whole bunch of like you know you know this show has a budget but i guess it didn't have the budget enough this show had a big budget you know it looks impressive the animation's good but like like it's small stuff like that you're like yeah you're just like yeah they they cared a lot about you know get put the attention to detail but it didn't care enough yeah i understand that um yeah common common ground's not one of my favorite episodes either there are a lot of good points that you made about this one i think i like it less the more you've talked about it um <laughs> uh, 11 the episode after this is called devil's deal and the sexiest character in star wars senator ornfrey ta oh my gosh those uh, those tentacles that are around his neck Ooh, i'd pull them back for days but ornfrey tar uh is in this episode who all I can really say his character was was he just ate a lot and then was a bumbling buffoon. That's literally most of his <laughs> character in the original Clone Wars TV show episodes. Um, but basically, he announces the uh, Imperial Refinery on Ryloth and encourages uh, Twi'lek Freedom Fighters to disarm. Um, and then this resistance leader named Chan Sandula publicly supports the Empire and his loot takes Charm's daughter Hera on a secret mission, which yes, Hera's in this episode, uh, to retrieve new episodes that are deli- or to retrieve new weapons that are delivered by the Bad Batch, during which Hera befriends Omega. So this is where we get a little bit of the bonding between Hera and kind of that rag and stuff. And Crosshair tracks him down again, and the Empire arrests Guile and Hera for treason. And then Cham attacks the Imperial convoy to rescue them with his wife El. Uh, El- Stuff at cross- uh, uh, then Crosshair kills the sexiest character in Star Wars, Rip uh, Ornfree Ta, which enables Rampart to frame Cham for Ta's attempted assassination. And then Cham, Alini, and Guile are arrested while Hera escapes. So Hera gets away at the end of this episode. Um, Need to see Hera in this. It's a younger version of her, obviously, which I think is good that they made her younger. Because like we said, I think as it goes, set much later because this is still very much in the beginning and stuff but it was nice to see Hera but I also think it's good that we get a throwback to a character like Senator Onfree Ta that we haven't really seen in a little while and also it's a lot more of that dynamic that we want to see which is Crosshair you know he wants him dead that's all that he wants and stuff but it's a nice little episode to see Hera in and stuff and I think there's some good world building elements in it too but I don't know your thoughts on it um so I guess this is good enough as any to mention the stuff I didn't like episode in episode one. So mm-hmm. like, um, I gotta be honest, I hated like the fact that Kanan was in the pilot of the series. Uh-huh. Cause like, yo, it just 
blatantly contradicts like this really cool like Kanan mini Kanan comic series that you know came out around the time of Rebels. Yeah. So, like it like explored like Kanan a lot as a character, like especially in that time like directly after Order sixty six, which mm-hmm. was like cool because like you know you had a much better version of the scene where his master gets killed. You have those cl- the clones that killed his master hunting after him. Some of them yeah. like like start to second guess the Empire or the fact that they killed like you know the Jedi that they've been working with for however many years. And yeah. um, you know, there's like I, I don't want to like blatantly say that the comic handled it better, but like in the show, it just feels like you know Dave Filoni wanted to like because this is the only. This is the only episode he directly worked on, if I'm... Yes, this yes. is correct. Because, like, it was so out of left field because, like, F- Filoni is normally, like, really respectful of other creators' work. Um, mm-hmm. I would have to double check, but I think even, like, to the extent that, like, you know, during Clone Wars, he would, like, help Lucas interweave the expanded universe into the show. In Mandalorian, uh, I think it's season two... I, I still haven't double checked this, but I think he whole cloth lifted uh, Cobb Vant from the like aftermath series and put him into it, into Mandalorian without changing anything. Yeah. Um, which is no, he's respectful of other people's work. He doesn't contradict them. So it was just weird that like he just blatantly like walks all over this existing pre-existing comic about Kanan just so like you know he gets to play with his one of his characters and like I think the thing the reason why I hate it the most is that you could replace Kanan and his master and like the clones with like just a random like Jedi Padawan and clone without like anything changing and like the reason and now to get back to the actual episode we're talking about uh the stuff on Felucia or whatever planet that oh the stuff on Ryloth the stuff on Ryloth are like actually like the high point of the series for me because it does a lot of like stuff that I would want to see because like um personally like I would love like something that I would have loved to see especially since of how much it affected my viewing of the Clone Wars was like a show that is about clones themselves and yeah. I think, and you know, I think the stuff with Hauser uh, weaves in really well into this episode because you could see him like over the course of the episode questioning the Empire, wondering if like him siding with them is really the right thing. You know, it's kind of undermined because like you know, very few of the other clones act this way. Yeah, unless like the plot wants them to. But like this, like episode is good like these two episodes are great like this one and the one right after it because you know you have the stuff with Sedulas and um you have Cham debating on whether or not he it's uh he should go back to war or like if he, it's good to accept the Empire's terms so that yeah. like, you know the Twi'leks can finally like not be at war all the time like the political conflict between um him and Ornfri Ta and also Crosshair is there and like Hera does that thing where like she's confused and she she's not that sure about what she wants to do and also she wants to be a pilot 
Like, it's just a lot of good stuff. Like, and it's not something like with the Kanan thing where, because, like, if you took the Syndulas out of this, I don't think it would work as well. Because it's, like, fan, like, it's fan service. It's blatant fan service, like, Kanan showing up. But it's fan service that drives the plot forward and provides interesting moments that, like, give us cool stuff. And also, we get, like, the first inkling of Chopper being a war criminal. <laughs> that we do. Chopper is a destructive war criminal. Have you have you seen, like, the Reddit post that says he has, like, over 5,000 kills or something like that? Yeah, Chopper, is, Chopper is dangerous. Don't let your kids near Chopper. Um, but, yeah, I agree. There's some good things in this episode and stuff. I think it's nice seeing Hera and all that because episode 12, like you said, which is Rescue on Ryloth, feeds into this where uh, she's like, will you help me get my parents back and stuff? And Hunter at first is like, eh, I don't... I don't... You gotta do this. Like, she's got a family and we're trying to be good guys and stuff. And so Hera, Omega Tech, and Wrecker then all attack that same Imperial refinery that Unfree Tar introduced and they're able to free... And stuff, but Crosshair discovers this and sets a trap for him. But uh, the clone captain Hauser, who's very loyal to Cham, warns that uh, the escapees of the trap, and then he confronts his fellow soldiers. and Hauser is arrested, but the Bad Batch and the Freedom Fighters all escape. And then Rampart realizes that he has underestimated the Bad Batch and gives Crosshair permission to hunt. Essentially, this is a nice little follow-up episode and stuff because it gets Hera's parents free and stuff. It gets all of these freedom fighters free and stuff, and it kind of jump-starts this mini-rebellion with somebody like Hera that'll be a prominent character later in Rebels and stuff. But it's also a nice episode to see where, like, Crosshair can't even trust his own clones at times or anything like that, which is kind of cool. But there's a lot of good in this episode, too, because it shows the Bad Batch actually kind of doing a heroic action. Yeah. Um... Like, you know, I'm, I still am afraid that they're going to, like, join the Rebellion, but, like, you know, at least it's something that isn't going to feel like it comes out of nowhere, so I appreciate you pointing that out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, I, like, I think this is, like, a, like I said when we were talking about the other episode, I think this, like, follows up really well on the previous episode. Um, yeah. I just, I, like, all this... Like, it's just a good continuation. I especially like, like, you know, Hauser, like, finally, like, choosing to do the right thing. And, like, Rampart being, like, he's, he fully realizes how he's underestimated, um, the, uh, the Bad Batch. Like, Crosshair is also there. I think, like, there were only, like, two tiny problems that annoyed me a little bit, like, I think it is absolutely ludicrous that Orn Frita survived. Like, I've seen that theory floating around that people like, think, yeah, like, oh, Orn Frita is not dead. I'm like, but yeah. wasn't he shot? Uh, whatever. Yeah, there's like canonical material that like takes place after this where like he's hanging out with Vader and Palpatine and Cham tries to kill all three of them. So like, I guess that's why he had to survive. Which, huh. like, like, that's a thing where, like, you know, like, Orn Frita had to survive that just so he could appear in something else. And you're just like, well, you know, we have the first episode where you blatantly contradict uh, the stuff with Kanan. You have the second episode where you just change what Cut's kids look like because I guess you can't go back and look at what they look like in Clone Wars. Like, you've done these, like, small things that contradict, like, other Star Wars material. 
why now do you start caring about um, continuity of things outside of this show? True that. True and that. Then, yeah. And then the second thing that annoyed me, like kind of going off of that thing where I was annoyed about like no separatist aliens being in common ground. The thing that kind of annoyed me about this is like, you know, the lack of clone armor that was like colorful. Cause like this is probably like the last time we're going to see like colorful clones mm-hmm. in like canon material or at least in like a show like this i yeah. think it would have been cool like over the course of the seasons is like to go along with that imperial transition if we like slowly had like those colors go away and let's bore like it would have been good to like transition from those colorful clones to like clones that are all in that imperial white to like the first stormtroopers that we see at the very end of this season but like and like i think especially that could have worked here where you know you have like hauser in his like turquoise like you could have like some of the clones that choose to agree with him and like stand and like betray the empire or whatever i think that would have made them stand out from the ones that choose to stay with the empire like you have like uh hauser's clones being that turquoise and then you have um you have the ones that are loyal to the empire and just the white it's just like you know small things like that and then like you know bigger things like crosshair that kind of just add up and i'm just like you know this show's good it's not as good as everyone says but you know those two problems that i had with this episode weren't bad enough to like derail my enjoyment of it and the previous one yeah um, episode 13 is called Infested. Return from Mission to find Sin's parlor is under the ownership of the crime boss, Roland Durand. Uh, and they find Sin outside and she's like, I got a plan. We'll take back this parlor. We're gonna, we're gonna steal a shipment of spice. Which, kids, if you don't know what spice is in the Star Wars universe, it's like the only drug they know how to make a big deal out of, basically. Um, and it's intended for the Pike Syndicate. And the Bad Batch instead enter the office via uh, underground tunnels and stuff. And it's infested with a hive of Erlings. Uh, and they successfully get the spice and stuff, but they're chased down by Roland's guards who awaken the hive. And the group has to escape from the tunnels, but the spice is taken by the hive. They are caught by the pikes who take Omega hostage while the Bad Batch and Sid have to retrieve the spice from the hive. And the pikes then let Sid reclaim her parlor. So, interesting episode because a lot happens in it and stuff. And I would say this is one of those episodes that kind of feels like, oh, this is a neat little side quest that they go on and stuff where it's like, Sid, the person that's been giving them all of these like different bounties that they need to go out and complete and stuff, almost like you're coming back to get a different bounty and stuff like in a Star Wars video game and all that, is now gotten her parlor taken over and they have to help her get something back in return. So it's a good episode because it builds more on Sid and the dynamic with her and the Bad Batch themselves and stuff. And at the same time, I think it's got some fun elements to it and stuff. Like it's cool seeing these little Erlings and all that. And I also think it's cool that we see a crime boss in Star Wars that isn't Jabba the Hutt. There's this guy named Roland Durland and it's just like came out of nowhere, but it's super cool. I, I kind of dig this episode a little bit, I would say. Yeah. I think the main thing that I like that like if the show is like gradually establishing stuff, this is like another thing aside from Sid that gives the Bad Batch warning of, hmm, maybe sticking in this criminal underworld isn't for the best. And like, you know, I like how like they defect from the um the Empire, they work as bounty hunters, 
I kind of wish that they, I did, like, I wish I didn't know that they were going to join the rebellion because, like, you know, I got that impression from the trailers, and I know it's going to happen. Like, I don't trust them not to do it, but it was cool to see like stuff like this be built up. I think Roland, I think Roland was fun. I think it would have been really easy for him just to, for the show to make him just be completely unlikable. Instead, they just turned him into the Jesse Pinkman of the Star Wars universe, where he's just in completely over his head. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, it's it's a neat little episode. Uh, not a whole lot to say about it, because these last three episodes we're going to get into are probably like, here we go time. Um, I just remember, I don't, maybe it's in the next episode, I don't remember. Oh no, I think it was in like the previous one. The one I forgot to mention is like Omega just paying off the Bad Batch's debt with chess games. Seems like it. They got her gambling. They got a gambling problem. <laughs> like, I I did not like the fact that, like, you know, very close to the end of the first season, they're just like, oh, right. The only reason, one of the main reasons why the Bad Batch is still with Sid is because they owe her a ton of money. And then Omega just pays off their debt off screen because she's smart and good at chess. I was just like, uh, you set up this really cool plot element that you just proceeded to throw out the window, and mm, I I did not like that. Yeah, I would I would agree with that also. Um, so I guess uh, another thing to talk about, which is interesting too, is this next episode because <laughs> I just remember the memes that came out of it. I remember everybody getting hyped up and stuff. So the Bad Batch are contacted by Rex, who's like, hey. I need you to help this clone commando Gregor who is sending out a distress signal from the planet Daro. And I was like, oh, I think I know where this is going. And so find an imperial base where constricted troopers are being trained by the clone commandos, baby. That's right. The clone commandos are in this. You played the video games. You love your clone commandos. Here they are finally in this episode. Watch out for those wrist rockets because they're bound to get in the fucking way. Um, and basically these brand new conscripted troopers are supposed to replace the clone army. So Hunter, Tech, and Echo, they all uh, infiltrate this base while Megan Wrecker stay in the ship as backup. They manage to rescue Gregor and Hunter, uh, uh, but Hunter is captured during the escape. And on Camino, Lemasu and Alice C plan to escape after the Empire cancels their call. They are caught by Admiral Rampart, who has a use for Alice as a scientist, but not for Lamasu. So R.I.P. Lamasu. But um, obviously, this one's got the clone commandos. Dalton, how much was your, uh, well, your Star Wars inner fanboy coming out during this? Like you know, it's. <laughs> Actually, it's like one of those bittersweet things. Moments, yeah. Where you're just like, oh, they're actually using the Republic Commandos. Uh, oh, look, they uh, were kind enough to recolor a single clone commando with the Scorch colors. They couldn't actually reuse his correct model. Like, yeah. You could tell that like, pretty much the only reason why Scorch is in the show it's because someone just recolored one of the normal clone commandos as as scorch so like yeah like you know we can make them we can make the we can make delta squad cameo in episodes we can't give them actual content <laughs> so that was actually one of the things i disliked <laughs> about bad batch just like it's it was one of the small things 
but also something that like bothered me personally but yeah it was I, nice. I get what you mean it's like it was nice to see them it's one of those things that you're just like yeah you cared but you didn't care enough exactly i feel that um it's a it's a neat little thing because i i think this episode it's a cool action one obviously because i like how they're opening doors and the commandos are just there and they're like oh shit we cannot get away from this and they almost get cornered in a sense but obviously like they get away in the episode and they rescue gregor and it's a neat episode i will say because it is a callback to a series of clone i've even played the clone commandos game um and it was a, it was a neat little episode that gave you a little bit of fan servicey stuff there um but at the same time i think it's a neat episode because obviously it's not as big as these next two we're about to talk about but it was cool to see these commandos get an episode in like a mini series yeah and also gregor is there like gregor from clone wars yeah i'm like yeah the, george lucas's favorite arc in the clone wars <laughs> The one with uh, the frog and the droids that stopped the big, big bad separatist plan. Exactly. And I, I still think it's hilarious that, you know, Gregor, Star Wars refuses to give an explanation of how he survived being blown up in the Clone Wars. You're just supposed to accept it, which, you know, fair. I mean, this is Star Wars we're talking about. Yeah, this is Star Wars we're talking about. Nothing has to make sense anymore. Um, <laughs> or yeah, has it ever made sense? That's also true. Um, but yeah, it was it was a neat little episode. So now, episode 15, which is Return to Kamino. Oh boy. Um, so Hunter is taken to Topoka City on Kamino, uh, and the Empire has evacuated all critical personnel and eliminated all the rest that they don't need. It's a very brutal episode. And Crosshair activates hunter's comlink uh and he's luring the rest of the bad batch basically into a trap this is this is crosshair's big mega mega trap here and so omega shows the others an hidden entrance into nalice's secret laboratory where they were all originally created and they find a friendly droid named az3 who's also hiding there and they also find hunter who tries to convince crosshair that he needs to have his inhibitor chip removed but plot twist it's already been removed which all of us kind of already figured and put together obviously and he's just willingly working for the empire which kind of shocks them but hunter stunts crosshair on rampart but under the orders of tarkin he begins destroying typica city with the bad batch and crosshair still inside and oh god as a fan of the star wars series it was so hard to watch this episode just watching it get destroyed because a little part of you that grew up loving episode two was like damn this was such a cool little planet that was built on like this stormy rainy facility and stuff and these alien creatures walking around like the clones were being made it was such a cool thing and now it's being blown up in front of your eyes when you're basically an adult and you're like oh well my childhood just died there a little bit but um i like this episode a lot i don't know about you but i i think it's a damn good episode uh i think personally like this is one of the episodes like you know like how you said there are these big emotional moments and big moments of drama and this is also the one where like a lot of those little problems are really starting to go home like mm-hmm. you know yeah like at first like a lot of the problems i had with the episodes they were small or they were big but you know like it was like every other episode and but now it's just like all these little problems have come home to take take to like take root in the show and they're all present here like you know 
Crosshair's chip has been removed and he's still working for the Empire. But and yeah. I guess that's supposed to make us forget that, you know, the Bad Batch pretty much abandoned him. Pretty much. And uh, also, like, the cl- they blew up Kamino. Like, they moved, like, they. I'm pretty sure they say straight up, they move all the clones off world and then yes. blow Kamino up. But then you go into the ship and you have clones manning the ship. So, you know, there's this big dramatic moment where the clones are being ordered to blow up their own home. And the most reaction that they have about this is in the next episode where a clone just sounds like he has a head cold and he's like, Ugh, Kamino's been destroyed. And How dare like, they destroy Kamino? I'm just like, are you... Are you fucking kidding me? Are you that, serious? That's what frustrated me the most was like their reaction to it. I was like, dude, your home just got blown up. You yes. trained here forever. Not only that, you guys are the one that blew up your own home. Like, do you guys not remember all those times in the Clone Wars where you're like, this is our home. We need to perfect. We need to protect it. Like, they have such strong ties to their homes and like each other. And like, this is like the big reason why, like, I, I have like so many problems with the show is that like you know as someone who like loves the episodes with the clones because like they had some of the best writing in clone wars like just seeing like none of almost none of that transfer over to bad batch it's just like why frustrating why, why even make a show about clones if you're not going to do like if you're not going to like play into like that writing that made them good in the first place I agree with that. Yeah, I 100% agree. It's it's frustrating because um, we'll get into the next episode here, which is the big season finale. But basically, uh, that facility that was just destroyed, obviously, they're all trying to escape. And it's not that I think it's a bad ending or anything like that. Like, I wouldn't say that it's a bad ending, but I'm a little underwhelmed by it. And I know there's a season T, uh, T2 that's coming along, obviously, but... Um, basically in the wreckage they're all trying to get out rampart and the empire depart while the bad batch aim to escape before it submerges and omega and ozzy three save crosshair um, but they're trapped in the flooding room and once the wreckage has settled on the ocean floor the group make their way to the tube that leads to the ship um, but they find it damaged and ozzy suggests that they uh, guide them to the surface through the inside lab capsules but runs out of power on their way up omega tries to save him uh, risking drowning and stuff until crosshair saves them both um, and when they reach the ship, Crosshair's like, okay, guys, I'm just going to see you. Bye, because I'm not fully a bad guy yet, but I'm probably going to get a redemption down the road. And elsewhere, Nale Say is brought to another Imperial facility. So, uh, <laughs> Dalton, what were your thoughts on this episode? Because I don't know if I like this finale. I think it's okay. I think some people made it out to be a little bigger than what it is. But Yeah, I definitely it- think that some people overhyped the ending. Yes, like, very I think much. I think it's like a decent follow-up to like an a like a like yeah it was good like a uh, penultimate episode uh-huh. but like um uh, i i i didn't even mention when i was going on my echo rant but uh az like the droid that's with them it's the same droid that's with fives when he's finding about the inhibitor chips and yeah. like I, I think i remember something about like his memory getting wiped which is which is pretty convenient because then you know it's a good thing that rex i mean i'm sorry it's a good thing that echo doesn't care about you know fives 
uncovering uh, the conspiracy about the chips then being executed by uh, the personal guard of the Chancellor. It's a good thing that he feels no emotions about that. Or, like, he's the fact that he's working with the same droid that worked with Fives. Just, uh, come on, man. Though I yeah. did. And, like, I disliked how, like, actively, how much of an asshole Crosshair was this. Because it felt like the showrunners were laying it on really thick. And, yeah. though, like, I did, do think it produced some good moments where, like, um,. Where like um, Wrecker like finally re- like finally sinks into Wrecker that like cross hit like the crosshair that he was like friendly rivals with was gone so you kind of had that aw moment and you also had like the only moment where Tech being a static character was kind of interesting because like you know yeah. him and Echo are pretty much interchangeable except Echo has like slightly self more self awareness. Or like, you know, because Tech is a static character and he doesn't change and he's pretty much analytical for the entire show, he's like, oh, oh yeah, I understand how you work, Crosshair, but I still think you're a dick. <laughs> yeah, pretty much. And like, you know, it just feels like, you know, they're just trying to justify the fact that, you know, oh, uh, uh, the Bad Batch, you know, they weren't wrong for trying, for not trying to save Crosshair, even though he was one of them. And it's just like, uh, like, you know, there's some parts of that that work, like, I guess. But also, it kind of just feels like Hunter just is actively trying to make them, like, not think about that. There's some earlier scenes where he's, like, telling them to, like, uh, stop thinking about that. It just feels, it gives the impression, like, you know, he never liked Crosshair, which is weird. It's just, Mm -hmm. it's weird. I do like that, you know, even though, like, the episode was trying its hardest to make uh, Crosshair, like, be a bad person, he still, like, saves Omega in the end. So, like, she she still believes that there's, like, good inside him. I think that's cool, even if, you know, a lot of that in this episode is, like, the show, like, nudging and winking at you. Like, it doesn't think you're going to follow it unless they point it out and like whatever I get I guess that's a valid way to do this but yeah I think that's a good way to like summarize the show overall (laughs) but I'll save that till like we're actually done but yeah I think it was like an alright ending to the first season Um, yeah it was an okay ending I'll say it didn't amaze me blow me away or anything like that but Overall, I'd say this is a fine little series for the most part. I was, like I said, I wasn't completely invested. Like, and then uh, was revealed and stuff. And then I just finished the episodes that I did a few weeks ago. So this oh. wasn't a series. Oh, but... I almost forgot to mention the reveal at the very end. So like, oh. people said that like the place that Nala Say got taken to was Mount Tantis for from the Thrawn trilogy. Yep, and like you know, out of like this, that that right there was like probably like that was the thing that kind of sunk the finale, like to where the point where I'm like, yeah, this is not a strong ending to the first season, because <laughs> now you're just like, oh my god, are you are you guys ready for 
Disney's version of the Thrawn trilogy, where the original twist of the series can't even work because Rook's fucking dead. And, they, <laughs> and uh, like, you know, at some point I'm going to make a video about the Thrawn trilogy because I think... Because Thrawn's a cool character, but Star Canon Star Wars has not really used him that well. He's in been Rebels. taken by space whales. Yeah, and like you know, we all know how like Canon's version of Dark Empire turned out with Episode Nine. That was not. It was not good. I'm yeah. sorry. I'm. Yeah. If you like that movie, you're entitled to your opinion, and I'm glad you were able to see stuff in it that I didn't. But like, I am not. I'm not interested in seeing Disney's version of the Thrawn trilogy. I'm sorry. Especially since, like, it seems like Mando Season 2 is building to that with, um... with Ahsoka being like, where's Thrawn? Where's he at? And now this... And now Bad Batch is building up the cloning facilities that get used in that book series. And you're just like, hmm, this this show it's got to do that mcu thing of everything sets up for the next thing everything sets up for the next thing uh, it's like poetry it rhymes i clapped because george lucas said that one time i think yeah uh, but yeah yeah i think i guess yeah i'll let you go back to what you were saying now i'm sorry yeah like i said i was not completely invested in this series i think I don't know. It, it was hard for me to even give a score for it. I almost wanted to give it a gold star that said, you did it on it, because I don't really know how to rate this without me just being so confused, because it has so many episodes in it where I'm like, damn, this is actually pretty good. And then by the ending, I'm like, I don't episodes leading up to this, and I know it was just like, oh, we'll wait till season two, but I... it just disappoints me with some of the decisions it makes, and you even highlighted that a little bit, which I guess now we can jump into... Uh, um because this i don't know i'm somebody that fan service in star wars has never really been my thing um if you've ever seen rogue one oh my god uh (laughs) i you just share the red letter media opinion about it (laughs) i share the first three minutes of that video for sure um and then somehow palpatine was alive in episode nine and i just i cringed inside and uh i i don't know a lot of things that happen in Star Wars are mostly to the benefit of fan service or things that you remember and stuff. Like I even said, Mando season two. Oh, I clapped because I know that person, but I don't know. I've been somebody that has never been a big fan of fan service in Star Wars. And if it pops up for the sake of fan service, I will be quick to be like, well, this makes no sense. And narratively, he didn't need to be here. But uh, with this series, with there being characters that just pop up that you know is a recognizable name, and sometimes they really don't have like any reason to be in this show and stuff, it is just kind of. Disney gonna learn. You can't just throw, uh, I don't know, Max Rebo in the show and go. <laughs> Do you guys remember Max Rebo playing for Jabba's palace and stuff? And expect them to be like, I remember Max Rebo. I'm gonna eat it up. That's a good character if they serve no narrative purpose. Yeah. Um that's kind of okay so the thing about fan service in star wars it's like you know fan service is not inherently a bad thing right i'll agree yeah you know um it's it's cool to have the creators be like hey we know that this is popular with you guys we're going to do it like you know george lucas had that kind of thing too where like you know they'd 
insert expanded universe stuff into canon things. That's how like a lot of that type of stuff ended up in Clone Wars, yada yada yada. I think the problem with fan service is when you know it does not propel the story forward. Like, um, for example, like um, I think season the fan service in season one of Mando was good. Because, you know, mm-hmm. it wasn't like, you know, they were throwing all these familiar faces onto the screen and be like, oh, did you, do you, it was more like using familiar things. Like, you know, there were Mandalorians and Ugnaughts and IG assassin droids and the Empire and Stormtroopers and Trandoshans and all that good stuff. But like... It was familiar objects and places and people and character types and things. And I think that is something that they did a really good job in. And I, it's, it was kind of disappointing to be watching season two week after week. You would be like, oh, hey, look, it's Luke Skywalker. Oh, hey, look, it's Ahsoka. And like, it's not inherently bad. I think some of the fan service things in that, like, do interesting things that drive the story forward but in some of those instances i think you could like with the canaan thing you could swap it out for a nobody character i don't think you'd lose anything like especially with luke skywalker in the finale and like you know we ended up talking a lot about this fan service stuff throughout the course of this video of the podcast yeah um so i don't have as much to hear now but like yeah um, there are instances of the fan service in the show, like with uh, the stuff with the Sindulas, and um, I mean, I guess Cad Bane, where like Cad Bane and Fennec Shand and uh, the Martez sisters, where like you know it's fan service, but it is driving the story forward. So I think it is a good use of it. But then there's stuff like Kanan, where it's just fan service for the sake of fan service. Because, you know, Filoni has to play with his toys. And it's, it's, I don't know. It's one of those things. It's one of those, like, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, I, it's up to preference. Yeah, personal preference would be the best way to put it. Yeah. And it's just like, it feels like, you know, some things are going to work for some people. Some aren't. And I think that, you know. Uh, I personally, it's a big problem for me if, like, you know, a show could devote all this time to, like, you know, doing the fan service thing. It draws attention and story stuff from, like, the characters who actually matter in the show. And that's, I think, when, you know, the fan service becomes a problem. Yeah, I would agree with that. But. Yeah, The Bad Batch overall as a show, I don't know what much more to say about it besides, like, I I think it's fine. Like I said, if I had to give it a rating, like I would give it a gold star that says you did it because <laughs> I can't seriously rate it because I'm just so frustrated with it at times. Like Mando and like both seasons of the Mando and even the original Clone Wars series as a whole, I think I have a solid grade for now. But with this one, it's so all over the place that I don't know. And that's kind of the frustrating part with it. And even talking about it, there's like more problems we figured out, like discussing it and stuff going along. I and that's why there were good things that we figured there, out too. Yeah, there were good things we figured out too. Um, but for the most part, it's like, will I watch season two? Yeah, but mm-hmm. I don't know. It could be like this 
first season here where I like watched a few episodes, gave up on it for a month, and then came back later to finish it. Uh, I don't know. Do you want to talk about filler before I give a score to it? Yeah, go ahead and talk about filler if you want. So yeah, um, so yeah, I don't know if you want to report off that or not, but I think the thing that annoyed me the most about um, you know watching this episode is you know like. It's just people being like, oh, like people on like CVH or like people on Twitter or whatever. It, people just being like, oh, this is a filler episode. Uh, uh, excuse me. It was just like, oh, it's a filler episode. Uh, filler, filler. And filler is just one of those concepts. It feels like, you know, it's something like, I guess, Mary Sue or where like, you know, that use is that word is just like a hot button internet thing and it's been used to the point where like i can't even show a tangible example of it because it's lost all meaning and it's just and it's one that i feel like that gets misused too where like people are just like oh i didn't like this thing in an episode um it's it's a it's a filler episode like since like the qualifications for what it is can be like so vague you're just like well are you sure that isn't just personal preference that's making you say that and i think the thing that like describes my feeling about like people just saying things they don't like or filler was like can be summarized in like that quote that's something that uh someone said on cvh uh that thing uh momoke said where um they were like Oh, it's a little different from what I remember, but like to paraphrase what he said about it, like um, if your piece of media is based on solving a plot, then it doesn't get to be anything other than a story and can't actually engage with any of the ideas in your life. So like, yeah. you know, if Bad Batch was purely about a plot of oh, we need to play keep away with Omega from the Kaminoans and also Crosshair is there. If it just solely focused on that, I don't think you would have stuff. You wouldn't be able to have the time where, like, you know, you get to explore how Omega is, like, affecting the dynamics of the squad or Crosshair, like, feeling kind of conflicted about being with the Empire or, like, all the stuff with Sedulas. Like, if if your thing is solely based around solving the plot, if, like, the Bad Batch was solely based around solving the plot, I think it would make something that already has a lot of problems worse. And so, I don't know, it kind of annoyed me to, like, have people be throwing around, like, the filler label on random episodes, like the one with Jabba, just because... Jabba's Ranker, just because they didn't like it. But yeah, that's my spiel about filler. Um, no, there's a there's a lot of good points in there. I think personal preference sometimes gets lost in the mix because filler means a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Like, for example, I am somebody that knows that the Fly episode of Breaking Bad is considered filler by many fans. But That's a great episode. Great episode still regardless. And um, there are other shows that I like that have filler episodes. Like, uh, I would say one of my favorite comedies in Seinfeld even has like the last two seasons kind of feel like just random bits of filler that kind of all just lead up to this big finale, even though there is still a storyline for it and stuff like 
it's always going to be filler to whoever you talk to. Like, whatever show you bring up, they're always going to be like, well, I didn't like this episode. It felt like filler. Because there has never really been a general consensus on filler. Even today in film, we don't know what to consider filler for the plot. Because there are just so many different ways you can look at a character or scenario and how things go. Like, if a movie's too long, we don't know how to really say, is this filler or is this filler? Because it all depends on the person you're talking to. So, I think in a way, like, The Bad Batch may have had filler episodes to me but maybe to Dalton it's a whole different thing mm-hmm. and uh, hmm, let me see where if I can find my little um, thing on how I rate things uh, let me see but yeah um, I don't know I think that if I was going to give the Bad Batch a rating I think it would probably be somewhere between like a six point, like a six point five out of ten, or like a seven. So like you know, okay, or like pretty good, but like, uh, like man, like it's still that thing that bothers me, like about the Bad Batch, where like it's good, but also if I'm walking away from it a lot and saying that you know rebels a significantly weaker show than this was able to do stuff in it better then you know that kind of affects my overall outlook on the series so i don't know would you give it something other than the you tried gold sticker uh i am probably at a solid six for the show if i had to say anything um i know a lot of people are gonna be like oh i think it's better than that i know some people that like don't really criticize this stuff would probably be like it's dumb to give it a rating but i don't know i just feel like a rating helps me know what i should and shouldn't rewatch because like it's what letterbox basically is i log it and if the movie's got like a six or below i'm just kind of like mm, i don't know if i'm gonna watch that one again to be honest yeah and oh. like when i finally do make that uh bad batch uh video it's it's not gonna i don't think i will give it a score i might mention how i rated it on this on the podcast when i'm giving you a shout out but like it's like that video is just gonna be more me going into a deep dive of some things that i would consider to be too nerdy like there may be a lot more like overlap like how there was with like the winter soldier episode that we did yeah But, but like yeah we'll see if you know college ever allows me to work on anything other than homework i feel you on that but yeah that'll uh that'll conclude this bad batch discussion it was good to talk with you um yeah. it was about good it. to talk with you again yeah it was nice um obviously book of boba fett will be coming out down the road yeah stuff i think hawkeye is actually coming, coming out uh, at the same right, time also yeah. yeah and hopefully um, my boba fett video will be out before book of boba fett comes out we'll see how my college feels about it <laughs> yeah i understand and feel that um i'll be back with dune obviously i'll be back with last night in soho i'll be back with the french dispatch i'll be back with more movies and stuff i know the last two we talked about were what halloween kills and james bond and those have been getting decent listens right now for the most part but uh we'll have to see what the future holds don't know who's going to be on any of those yet but that's what you have to look forward to so next star wars thing i imagine will be the book of boba fett um hopefully it's 
it's a better discussion than kind of what we had today because this is a damn near two-hour podcast i just realized that's crazy yeah i'm amazed Um, that we were able to get this much content out of talking about a show that's been over for months i know that's crazy you never you never think about it that way but that'll conclude this edition of hayden's entertainment hour dalton do you have any final remarks before you go well um well, I I enjoyed our talk together. I don't know, maybe if I'm the one that you invite um, back for Book of Boba Fett, I can provide like some more personal like reflections on Boba Fett and how depending on how he behaves in that show, if like you know people are interested to hear my thoughts on him because of that video essay, which I hope. I hope gets released before that movie that video comes out because if it doesn't i might have to drastically edit it but yeah um i don't really have any other remarks i hope to see you again uh another time and i hope vin diesel doesn't figure out the trick well he's hurting poor mick right now for not seeing any of the fast movies but that'll conclude this we shall see you guys next time and feel like i do